You are listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast Series. We pray you experience the deep life and wide love that God has for you today. Mark 5, 1-20 They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasian. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, for he lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I drew you by God, do not torment me. And for he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him to earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to these pigs. Let us enter them. And so he gave them permission. And then clean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down to the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons backed him that he might be with him. And he said, Did not permit him, and said to him, You go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone. Marveled. It's quite a story. It's quite a story that is somewhat unfamiliar in our day and age today. In our century uh, here, 21st century uh, modernity, or some call postmodernity. It is an age that we talk about science and technology, engineering, medicine. Story of a man was demonized, or in this text, the language puts it, possessed by demons. It might feel quite foreign to us, 
But still, uh, we come to the text today. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, and so that we can glean from this passage to understand a reality that is unseen, but is more real than what is seen today. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. This is something that is going to challenge us, our mindset. But God, as we come, we know that you are smart and you reveal things to us according to your wisdom, according to your perfect will. And so, Lord, today, may we come to know the reality that is unseen. But God, not just that, may we experience, may we come to know with deep, intimate knowledge, because God, you have done great things. Back in those days, yes, but even today still. And so Lord, speak to us through the Holy Spirit, not just my words, but use my words so that God, you can accomplish the will of Jesus and let him deal with whatever it is as he will. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we come to this text uh, this week, this morning, um, well, there's a lot of things that has happened over this last week. And, and I think it is important that I address perhaps some of them, because I think in a way it sets the tone of our passage here today. And, and some of these things I'm talking about may sound political. So before you, uh, um, you're like, oh, what the uh, caught off guard, you will um, hear from me here. But yes, on the news this week, you hear about some of the unrest that was going on, um, given many of us maybe a pause regarding some of the people gathering in the capital of the United States of America and causing disruption to the electoral process that would have confirmed uh, the upcoming president. And you know, wow, that's quite crazy right there. And then on the other end, I think in my own hometown, uh, which is the city of Hong Kong, you also see uh, government officials are taking a stance to arrest some of those who decided to gather uh, the, the opinion of the residents there regarding whom wants to be represented in the democratic process of, again, an election. Now, why do I bring about these things? Because it is quite interesting in a sense that on one end, you have a group of people uh, going onto the streets, and that is being locked upon in one way. And then on the other end, in another place, uh, you have a similar demographic um, just trying to seek for maybe a more peaceful way of um, getting their voice heard. And then it is also uh, being seen in some other ways. Now, uh, what I want to bring across is this, is that I think in one shape or the other, wherever you fall on the political spectrum, at the end of the day, there is an underlying stance, and that is we want to take control 
off. The authorities, the powers that rule over us, that we want to influence, whether it is through some means that is a、uh, more active or some means that are more passive. One way or the other, there is this desire to seize control for ourselves. And I think as we come back to the series that is King and Kingdom, that is something for us to think back: is do we too, as people of God, have that stance, trying to resist the authority, the claim that Jesus, the King? Has over us in His kingdom, because the reality is, He is in control. He is the powerful one, even though we may not necessarily see that today, or sometimes it is unseen. But that is the reality, and so let us reflect. Let us make sure we don't get preoccupied by some of our views, whether it's political. Or scientific, or whatever it is, but come back to the scripture here, and to recognize: oh, it is Him who has the power; it is Him who has the control. And if we resist that, that is going to be problematic at the end of the day. So I just want to mention that、um, because、uh, our text today will kind of have that sort of、uh, dynamic going on as well. Now. I do want to speak of some things that、um, maybe ease us in、uh, into a text that like this because it's quite a story. I, I want to share from a personal experience.、Uh, sometime last year,、uh, while I was、uh, doing my devotions, reading the Bible、uh, at home,、um, there was a passage similar to this one that I encounter, and in which Jesus was confronting. A person who is、uh, demonized, and Jesus said to the spirit, "Be silent, and come out of him."、Uh, I was reading that passage that day, and just so happened at that very same moment, and was reading that text. Some sound that I did not make、uh, came out. I'm like, "Whoa, what is this? Is it my stomach?" That's the first thing I thought of. Or is it something that was、uh, happening in inside my throat? But I remember that morning I was praying and confessing to God some of the sins I have regarding being envious of other people. And I was asking God, "Please help me. I have had this issue for the longest time, ever since perhaps I was quite young." And then later on, I come to realize that struggle. Has become a lot easier. Now, I can't say for sure, but I think in a large way, God was answering my prayer that day, and it was through that particular passage, something might have came out. Now, maybe I just opened more cans of worms,、uh, but that was my personal experience, and and I want to share with you through this text that we have today. Some of the unseen realities that we live in, because the reality that is beyond that we cannot see, can be more real, and has a greater influence on our lives than we may understand. 
So with an open mind, let's approach to this. Uh, and I want to highlight five things, five things that help us to understand this fact that the reality beyond is more real. As we come to the text, uh, if you remember where we left off, we crossed the sea uh, and, and they had a storm. You remember Brad, he was uh, telling us a bit about it. And there was a storm and Jesus calmed the storm and they went all the way to this place. And they was met by one guy, one guy. Now, uh, who is this guy and, and also what kind of context is this particular place? Uh, I think a few things that uh, we can glean from just the text here itself. One is they are keeping pigs. So chances are, because of Jewish tradition, this is not a Jewish group because Jewish people generally do not associate themselves with pigs. They do not eat them and, and they likely would not keep them either. So this is uh, not a Jewish group, but Jesus came to them to minister to them anyways, which is, um, generally speaking, is, is, is quite a while already. And now uh, this person came through and, and he has been possessed by demons, as the text says. Now we are reading English here, and so the translation uh, in the English Standard Version has chosen possessed by demons. Uh, something to mention is uh, in the original language, uh, the Greek language, the language is not so much possessed, um, it's, it's so, so strong that says possessed, because possession implies ownership. Okay, but, but the original language it doesn't really have that sense of ownership. Because when you're possessed by something, they, they, yes, they can control and, and they own the person. But, but in the original language, it's, it's more of a sense of influence, uh, oppression that is over them. Yes, there is a, some form of control, which is why we see these very strong and strange behavior in this person. But never in the original language, it talks about, oh, demons or impure spirits own a person. So as we think about that, uh, it, 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 suggests, it helps us better understand, okay, well, how can one be demonized? Does it mean that, oh, the, the demons own the person? No, not exactly. But rather, it is having an influence and oppression on them. Now let us uh, maybe dive into some of these unseen realities. The first one is, we see this person. He has been released by his own power from the chains that were used to restrain him. But even with broken chains, he is not truly free. Broken chains does not equate fully free. True freedom actually comes when even at the spiritual level, he is free from the oppression that was he was experiencing. Now the passage doesn't tell us enough about okay how did he got demonized in the first place, and and I do not plan to go very far. But there can be various reasons. Before we choose to say oh okay this is this person's fault maybe it is but maybe it is not. But the thing is what we need to recognize is. Yes, from the appearance, he may not have chains, but freedom is not available to him, as long as spiritually 
he is being oppressed. Very often in our world today, we look at freeing people from slavery. We only look at maybe the perspective of economics, maybe of the physical. But are people free? So chances are, what goes on is the people who are not necessarily seen as slave um, or or seem to have a lot of freedom may actually still be oppressed. So that's point one. Broken chains does not equals full freedom necessarily. As we've seen in this interaction between the demonized man and Jesus, Jesus asks a particular question, and and it strikes me as like, oh, okay. What is your name? Would Jesus have known? Chances are he would, but he asked anyways. And that got me a bit curious. Why, why does that matter? And I think what it suggests here is name do matter. The name of this particular uh, demon, in, in this case, they say legend, it's, it is something that Jesus come to ask and such that in the passage, we can see, and it is recorded, and because this is because names do matter. Um, in two sense, um, names matter here today. One is yes, this uh, this demon that was named, and and as a result, Jesus uh, has brought to our attention, and then uh, having that information, Jesus was able to better name what is going on in this person's life, and then have a solution of his own choice. Uh, Jesus is smart. He knows what he's doing. And he deal with it as he will. And so in this case, names do matter. But the other names that really matter is the name of the Most High God. I think that is even greater attention for us to, to look at. Sometimes we get, get a whole call, like, oh, okay, this demon, that demon. But the name of Jesus matters more. The Son of Most High God. Now, there's a form of mockery in this exchange. I'll talk to you a bit about this later. But the point is, the name of Jesus here really matters at the end of the day when we deal with a demonized person. It is in the name of Jesus and his smarts of how he deal with these things as he would that is going to settle the whole issue at the end of the day. And we need to submit to that. that uh, Sometimes, yes, we have our own uh, various means of uh, trying to help a person. And you know what? Don't get me wrong. We should care about those things too. Our care, we want to provide, is holistic for a person. But at the end of the day, let us return to the name of Jesus because that is a foundational of why we do what we do and how we should pursue helping other people. So that's number two. Name do matters. Yes, the name of the problem, but also the name of Jesus. The third point here is, well, we're dealing with the legion here, and, and we're talking about like 6,000, if you think about the, the first century Roman army. Is Jesus outnumbered? Is Jesus with the 12 people versus one guy, but one guy has 6,000 demons? Well, um, Jesus is not necessarily outnumbered. Or maybe even he is outnumbered in terms of number of beings. Uh, Jesus is by no means disadvantage here. The reality that is unseen is, yes, Jesus may be outnumbered, but he, in terms of power and authority, outnumbers anything that stands against his way. 
In fact, yes, uh, I mentioned there's some kind of uh, deception that might be going on, and which I'll touch on next point. But Jesus, at the end of the day, has control over this whole situation. Um, that Jesus is the one that has the final say, and Jesus is the one that is going to emerge on top. And so in our world today, too, uh, sometimes we look at the overwhelming issue, whether it is the number of people that uh, uh, is yes, dying, that is the number of people struggling, or the number of people that is uh, causing uh, whatever challenges that we may face. Uh, Jesus himself on his own, but also with us together. He is not outnumbered, even as it may, may be the case. That's number three. And then the next point is this whole aspect of deception that may be going on here in this passage. And uh, this is not focusing on a certain part, but really just the whole exchange. Uh, is that, yes, while Jesus is very strong and not outnumbered, the deception and the tactics and the trickery that the demons are employing are still quite strong. And it should not be. Uh, be underestimated. Because if we get caught off guard, it can still try to wreak havoc in our lives. And let's give you some examples in this exchange. Um, Jesus was literally telling this person, uh, well, uh, the demons, the spirits in this person, to come off him, right? Um, that's a very straight command. But the text here, according to Mark, it says, um, well, this spirit start to ask something else. What do I mean by that? So what Jesus uh, literally gave him the command first, and then it started to cry out, What have you do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? This is a tactic. This is to try to ask some question and avoid the command itself. This is a diversion that is being introduced here at first. And, and, and demons, knowing who Jesus was, he is doing two things as well here. And one is, by trying to name who Jesus is, he is trying to gain an upper hand by saying, I have knowledge over who you are. This is a form of deception. Uh, at least in the first century, this is kind of how it works. If you're able to name who your opponent is, you have knowledge about them, you seem to be superior. And it seems to contrast because Jesus is asking this person, what is your name? So that's one layer of deception. And the other is what I just said. They try to divert from obeying the command and then uh, trying to pay tricks to, to stay longer, to, to do some things to make sure God um, does not get them out. In this case, they're trying to appeal to God's mercy. Um, God is merciful, as we have learned uh, in a lot of ways, and the Spirit is trying to resist. But Jesus did not let him fully have his way. He asked, what is your name? And then ask. What is it that is done? And in the end of the whole uh, ordeal here, I think there's also another form of deception uh, that is going on. Because um, demons, I think, on one end, it seems to be trying to do what is right and, and uh, turn around. I think this whole ordeal with pigs is actually trying to make the message unattractive for those who have affected financially. Because deception runs deep. On one end, yes, pigs seem to be the unclean animals, and, and it gives a hilarious kind of image for Jewish people as they read this. But 
by trying to、uh, mess up the financial gain of a group of people, the demons I think is trying to get people to stand against this message because the people initially did get scared and they say,、like, "Hey, Jesus, please, please leave." Okay, you you sort of did a good thing, but to be honest, it's kind of bad because you just lose two thousand pigs. So that kind of turned people away, and I think this is actually a form of demonic oppression and deception as well. So the point number four here is the reality is the devil is pretty smart too, not as smart as Jesus, but he does all these tricks and he tries to mess things up. So we need to watch for that and ask God for help. Now, the fifth point: what is seen here is yes, Jesus sort of got tricked, didn't he? Like he sent these demons back to the pigs, and these pigs died. Yes, could be quite hilarious, especially Jewish people. But then he got rejected by those people, right? That's that's pretty bad. Well, yes, from the service, if you just read this chapter, that's how it works. But Mark is actually pretty smart, and I have a spoiler alert. If you go back to Decapolis again, guess what? A lot of people came to welcome Jesus when he returned. Now maybe that's too much spoilers already. People were told about the man that got recovered. People may not care so much, or people got told about the pigs, and then they got quite angry. But when Jesus sent the guy that he delivered, and tell of what the Lord has done in his life, that message went viral, and the kingdom of God was coming and was there, and then Jesus came back later. He is on top of this at the end of the day. So yes, what is seen right now might be Jesus is losing because he did this thing with the pigs, but no, at the end of the day, he is on top of it all. So now I've spoken five things and there's a lot, but what does it mean to us? What does it mean to you today? And I want to say three things. <laughs> so many points. Three Ds. One is do not. Be deceived. The seen, so-called reality we see, sometimes is there to be deceiving us to the unseen reality. So do not be deceived. Check and discern, and ask God, what might be going on here. The second D is do not fear. Because yes, on one end there is this thing that are out there trying to trick you or get the best of you, may even try to influence you demonically. But do not fear, because God is stronger than this thing, and at the end of the day, He will come out on top, as long as we let Him do what He do best. Let Him deal with all these things as He will. Doesn't take away our responsibility fully per se, but it loads the burden to Him. He is strong. And then the last D is is deliverance, both in terms of being delivered and deliver others in the name of Jesus Christ.、Uh, again, this is spoilers, so forgive me. But but in chapter six, Jesus gave the apostles and the disciples the authority to do some of these things too that he is demonstrating here in chapter five, both this week and next week. And I think too for us. What it means is we too can be delivered, and also take part in delivering other people. 
um, in the name of Jesus from demonic oppression. So at the end of the day, we talk about the king and kingdom. And we live in a time that the kingdom is coming. And so, friends, brothers and sisters, we too can come to this same Jesus, be delivered, and do deliverance. You do not have to fear, for the devil who seeks to deceive cannot stand against the truth. So let us come to this uh, in prayer and maybe have an experience today and let Jesus deliver you, whatever that you may be going through. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day. We thank you for the word that you speak. And on this day in, in particular, there is this word that is come out of the person, you, unclean spirit. Come out of this person, you, unclean spirit. God, so we, in the name of Jesus, yes, may spirits, may demons, may powers that stand against you, God, be sent to Jesus Christ and let him deal with as he will. And fill us, God, with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us in our ongoing journey, and that we too, in the power of the name that delivers, that we may do the same, delivering, yes, in a spiritual sense, but also the physical, the structural. Oh God, we need you in our world today. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast. For more messages and contact us, please head to our website, byvr.life.